0: Today's episode is sponsored by Tigo. For most of us, indemnity insurance is our biggest fixed cost of practice. But when was the last time you took a look at the coverage and cost of your policy? Many of us are still with the same insurer we joined in med school or intern year. I recently reviewed my policy and discovered Tigo. Tigo's policy came in significantly cheaper than my current provider, and new clients get an extra two months free in their first year. If you are new to private practice, you might even qualify for four years of discounted premiums. Tigo's medical Legal Support and Advisory is available 24-7, and they are backed by Berkshire Hathaway Specialty Insurance. Get a free quote and discover why thousands of doctors are insured by Tigo by visiting tigo.com.au. Did you know that over 37% of Australians own shares outside of their super fund? There are two ways investors can make money from shares. They are capital gains and dividends. In this episode, we're focusing on capital gains. We'll explain the four different tax zones in Australia and the three factors that affect the amount of capital gains tax you'll have to pay. In episode number 17, we will discuss dividends. Hey, this is Andrew and the Medical Money Podcast, where we share tips to help doctors earn, grow, and protect their money. Please hit subscribe and share the love with your colleagues. If you have a topic you'd like discussed or feedback to share, send an email to andrew at medicalmoney.com. Today's guest is Connell Canary from What If Advice. Connell is a financial advisor who helps clients invest for their future, reduce financial stress, and take control of their money. We will dig pretty deep today, so to aid your understanding, we have created a PDF with worked examples so you can follow as you listen. Go to medicalmoney.com episode 15 to download the slides. If you are new to shares, this is not an episode to listen to while you are driving to work. This podcast is not financial advice and all opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. Please seek professional advice before making any financial or investment decision. Great. Good morning, Connell. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Uh, I'm very, very good. Excellent. Uh, So am I. I'm getting ready to go back to work soon. Um, In this episode, we're going to discuss the tax zones and how they affect capital gains on shares. First, let's take some time to explain the different tax zones and the entities. You have a novel way of describing the four tax zones. Listeners can um, have a look at this in the first slide. Can you please explain what these zones are and how they are affected by tax?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, the way I always start conversations around tax and tax strategy is explaining these zones. I think, you know, when making financial decisions, it really pays to understand and consider the merits of each of these zones. The one we are all familiar with as individuals is the tax we pay, which you would have heard of as the marginal tax rate which simply is as we make more money, the tax rate increases and it goes up to 45% plus the Medicare levy. The next zone is the corporate tax zone or company zone. This is up to 30%, uh, but I'm sure your listeners are most likely going to be under the $25 million cap. So that's 27.5%. Then you've got superannuation in accumulation
0: phase, which is up to 15%, and superannuation in pension phase, which is 0%. Can you please explain the difference between the superannuation in accumulation and pension phase, and when can someone access this elusive uh, 0% tax zone?
1: Yeah, sure. I think... Think of superannuation like two different buckets. I call accumulation the in bucket. So, you know, as we're working and making um, money, we're putting money into the accumulation phase, um, and that has that 15% tax um, rate. When you meet your preservation age, and for all intents and purposes, let's call it, you know, when you get to the age 60, you're able to roll money into the pension phase. Uh, It's got the lower tax rate, so it's got the 0%, but the other side to that equation is you have to withdraw a minimum pension amount each year.
0: And so many super funds now do allow members to buy shares directly within uh, the accumulation uh, phase of their account, don't they? Yeah, they do. Many doctors will have a trust structure for both asset protection and tax effectiveness. Can you explain how a trust works and how it fits in with the tax zones that you've just described? Listeners can probably take a look at uh, slide two with this one.
1: Yeah. So when we're talking about the four tax zones, I feel like it's a good way to imagine that trusts sit above the, the individual and the company tax zone, kind of like a waiting room so you know during the year you make money your capital gains and then at the end of the year you decide to distribute those profits um to the beneficiaries of the tax um the sorry the family trust so you may distribute some to an individual or some to the corporate beneficiary every year um, it's also good to know that if you don't
0: distribute uh, you have to pay the maximum marginal tax rate at which is currently 45 percent. and so that corporate beneficiaries in in the uh the last slide, we talked about the company tax rate. Just for listeners, that's commonly called a dump company, whereby you're able to uh, distribute profits out from the uh, family trust that might be receiving income from a, uh, a service trust. So that's a really simple overview and a great overview of the different tax zones and how they work. Let's move on to capital gains and tax. First of all, what is capital gains? And can you explain the three factors that investors need to consider when calculating the capital gains tax on shares?
1: Yeah, so a capital gain is when you sell an asset for more than what you paid for it. Working out the, you know, the tax you're gonna pay, there are those three factors. So who owns the asset? uh, The cost base,
0: you know, what did you actually pay for it? And then how long you held the asset for? We just covered the ownership structure in the tax zone. So now let's talk about the cost base and time. I just want to throw out a scenario, uh, a first scenario now. So let's get you to walk us through an example of how capital gains tax is calculated and how the amount paid differs for each tax zone. Say we bought a parcel of shares for $1,000 a month ago when the stock market hit its low. Today, we managed to sell those shares for uh, $1,200. And let's say brokerage is $10 to buy the shares, and it costs us $10 to sell the shares. How do we calculate the cost base and the capital gains tax that we'll need to pay on these shares? Listeners can follow this with the third PDF slide. So you're,
1: you are know, bought it for 1000 sold it for 1200 so you've made a $200 um, gain. Uh, your brokerage is $10 to buy $10 to sell. So that's $20. So you minus that off your, um, your gain. So you now have a $180, um, net gain effectively. And all you really do is then is allocate the appropriate percentage of tax to whichever tax zone you're in. So where the individual, if they're paying 45%, well, they would pay $81 in tax where if it was owned by a company, it would be 40% less than that. Uh, and if it was in super, you'd pay 70% less. You'd only pay $27 in tax.
0: Yeah, so it's very important to structure the, um, the ownership or distribution of, of those profits, isn't it? Because like in the, um, previously we discussed with the family trust, choosing which place to distribute can make it, it can obviously from this slide make a massive difference in, in the long-term.
1: Yeah, it can. And I think the examples that we're using here are really um, simple and easy to digest. In real life strategies, when they're much bigger numbers, sometimes a capital gain can push somebody up a tax bracket. Um, so therefore, you're, you know, an individual might be paying 32 cents for one lot and 37 percent for another lot. Um, So my tip is just jump on paycalculator.com.au
0: and uh, allow it to do the maths for you. And the key thing here is the time um, of holding those shares, isn't it, where we're under 12 months. And so that's why we're paying the full capital gain, we're paying tax on the full capital gain that was incurred for that sale. That's it. Excellent. So let's move on to the next part and talk about the capital gains tax discount. Still on the time issue, what is the CGT discount and how does it apply to shares? So
1: the government has said, if you hold an asset for more than 12 months, we will give you a CGT discount uh, depending on who uh, is the owner of that um, share or asset. Individuals get a 50% discount. Superannuation and accumulation gets a 33% discount. Companies don't get a discount. And of course, if you're in pension phase, you don't need a discount.
0: And so with the different uh, tax zones, Say we have a family trust that owns the shares, and we're going to distribute the proceeds of the capital gains to each of these entities. It does make a significant difference, doesn't it? Because as soon as we start distributing to a um, a corporate beneficiary, that capital gains tax discount evaporates. Yeah, that's right. Now, let's discuss a simple case of CGT regarding a single parcel of shares that have been held for more than 12 months say we bought some shares three years ago for a thousand dollars we are now able to sell them for two thousand dollars okay can i get you to walk us through how capital gains tax is calculated and applied to each tax zone listeners can take a look at the slide number four yeah so in the example we
1: made for this one it was you know a little bit more time has gone by and now we've got a like a thousand profit um, instead of the 200 dollars from the last example so in the individual who has that same brokerage, so they got $1,000 profit minus $20, so they got $980 capital gain. Because they've held it for more than 12 months, you get to divide that by two. So now your gain is $490. Uh, Based on the 45% tax rate, it's now $220. Um, And the main thing to note here is if you distribute that same uh, Benefit to your corporate tax rate, it would have been $294. So if because of that 12 month discount, it's cheaper to give it to the individual than the corporate
0: beneficiary. That makes sense. So let's make things even more complex now with another scenario. Say I have bought 100 shares of CSL each year for the past three years. CSL has done really well and has gone up in price significantly. Now I've been out of work for a month due to coronavirus and I'm a bit strapped for cash. I wanna sell 100 shares so I can pay for the kids' school fees. When I sell those 100 shares, ideally, I would want to sell the ones that were bought most recently as they had the highest capital gain uh, base, sorry, capital base, but the smallest capital gains. Can I choose which parcel of shares that I'm selling? And can you explain how this works and what things I need to consider?
1: Yeah. So the big thing the ATO is looking for here is your ability to identify your different share parcels. In your case, because you've got three lots of shares split across decent time frames, you'll have share certificates and records for these. The answer is yes, you can choose which parcel you're selling. Um, generally, I just sort of say, hey, make a little spreadsheet, record your purchase price, sale price. Um, and now we've talked about it, you can calculate your own, C- own CGT uh, so you can work out which of the parcels is you know, the best one to sell. Uh, of course, you have that consideration of do you get that 12-month discount or how much profit has that last parcel made or not made.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to foreign shares, how do we calculate the capital gains uh, given the exchange rate issues and you know different brokerage fees? Well, the way that I describe it when it comes to international shares is
1: really be looking at what comes in and out of your Australian bank account. So you might buy $1,000 of American shares you know, of Facebook, but what came out of your account was actually fifteen hundred Australian dollars. Well, then, you know, that's your buy price. Um, and the same thing happens when you sell it and money comes back into your account. So they're your two key, um, you know, indicators of the buy and the sell. Um, brokerage and exchange rates really just get worked into those transactions.
0: Yeah. So essentially, it's similar to the example that we discussed earlier, uh, that you would just take into account the brokerage and exchange rate in, in calculating your cost base, and then your, your profit would be... Uh... Or the capital gains would be uh, based on that. Yeah, and everything
1: else is the same. So you still get like the um, CGT 12-month discount.
0: I just want to give a quick plug to my favorite portfolio tracker, ShareSite. ShareSite keeps track of all my share purchases, calculates capital gains, exchange rates, and dividends. It even stores all the confirmation notes for easy reference in the future. You can manage 10 holdings for free or get a two-month bonus if you upgrade to a paid subscription. Visit medicalmoney.com slash ShareSite. That's S-H-A-R-E-S-I-G-H-T. Now back to the episode. Let's move on to listed investment companies and CGT concessions. Many people invest in listed investment companies and ETFs to diversify their portfolio, but, they, but sometimes uh, these uh, entities have bought and sold shares and they can obtain capital gains during uh, that period. Can you explain how this works and the effect on shareholders?
1: Yeah, so what we learned previously was, hey, companies don't get this CGT discount. Uh, However, the ATO has ruled that listed investment companies, when they do sell uh, these assets, they can potentially pass on the CGT discount to eligible investors, because if it was them, they would have got that um, CGT discount. So what happens is you get a statement from your illicit investment company, and on that, it will say, hey, if you're an individual investor, your extra dividend deduction is this, or if you're in super and accumulation phase, your extra dividend deduction is this, and they basically do the maths for you. Yeah. Does that apply to um, ETFs as well? So no. So ETFs are different, where that's like a traditional share. So you you know, you know have your capital gain from buying and selling it, and that's allocates to you personally, and then your dividend is just like a dividend.
0: Yeah. From my reading, it, it, it seems like the, uh, the ATO treats some listed investment companies more favourably with this because they are a way of uh, having a long-term investment for, for investors. Um, and so they are rewarded with that extra little uh, bonus there, aren't they? Yeah. Good. All right. Let's move on to some listener questions. Uh, Andrew asks, if I make a capital loss on shares i.e. a company stops trading and becomes insolvent, how can I use that loss to offset capital gains? Yeah,
1: so you effectively have a capital loss and gain, you know, register on when you do your tax returns. So if you make a loss in one year, you could potentially make a gain in that same year to offset it. And it's, it's dollar for dollar. Um, however, perhaps you're not going to sell anything in this financial year. You can just add it to your tax return. And if you make a capital gain next year, you can offset it then too.
0: Yep. And so capital losses can be carried into future years, can't they? And yeah, they can right. also be uh, used to offset gains from things like real estate investment or yeah. anything that are investment. Yeah. Anything in that same capital gain loss category. And Rajan asks, uh, What documents do we need to maintain while investing in an ETF for retirement? Do we get asked for paperwork for tax when we are selling the shares at retirement to calculate the capital gains tax and other stuff? And shall we rely on the online portal for this?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Generally, it will be your accountant that will ask you for this information. And they'll ask things like, what was the date you acquired the shares? Um, What did you spend on the cost base? So brokerage is one of those things, but there may be other um, expenses that attach to your cost base what date, if you have disposed of the asset, um, and then any capital proceeds that you've, you know, done the maths on. Um, You can record this stuff yourself in Excel spreadsheet. Most, you know, online brokering platforms will allow you to, you know, will give you this um, information. The one thing that I would, Be wary of is when you're buying the same share as multiple parcels, they will actually average it out for you. They won't break it into multiple parcels. So like that question from before you're asking, Hey, what about these different parcels? If you're considering about doing that, I would do your own record keeping outside of the um, portal.
0: Right, so it's important if we do want to have uh, choosing which ones we sell for CGT calculation purposes that we, we know exactly how much we paid for each one and the brokerage that was uh, incurred. Yeah, I would. Uh, Matisse asks, what are the foreign tax implications for dual citizenship residents in Australia?
1: Look, I wouldn't call myself a foreign
0: tax expert, but
1: my, you know, my understanding is this. Generally, you have your main country and you pay tax, you know, For the country that you've allocated so if you're australian and you're an australian resident and you're australian for tax purposes it's the australian tax zones that we're you're working with um of course you've got to be aware of things like the us and other countries that you're liable to pay tax in so i would potentially seek extra help depending on your situation
0: Shao asks, what are the implications of owning U.S. shares on your tax in Australia? Would there ever be a need to file a U.S. tax return?
1: I've never heard of an Australian citizen having to do a U.S. tax return in this scenario. So how they overcome that is you do your Australian buying of shares. When you get um, you know, your dividends received, they actually withhold tax. Like they, they do it in the back end. Um, you know, Your broker or whoever will withhold some of that tax and give that to the American government. Um, so they're kind of doing it for you, so you don't have to do a US tax return.
0: Yeah, we do have to fill in those WBN forms, don't we? And they require us to do that every yep. couple of years and easier to, to get Australian domiciled holdings, especially when it comes to things like uh, ETFs. Yep. And Zach asks, for very junior doctors or you know late medical students, do you recommend starting a trust for holding investments early on um, so that they can uh, don't have to incur a capital gains event later down the track if they choose to transfer investments out? into the trust?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And this one's really about um, trying to model out what your financial future looks like. Um, if an an average person came to me and asked me that question, I would probably look at their current state and sort of said, hey, is it viable? Is it not viable? You know, what kind of money are you making, et cetera. You know, as a medical profession, it, it's fairly safe to say that you are probably on a good trajectory and your, your income is going to you know increase as time goes by you know when you start looking at things like incomes over 100 over 150 over 200 in the near future um, i would definitely look at um, family trusts
0: for junior doctors and medical students the the cost of setting up a trust does have a uh, a setup fee and then an on your an annual management fee as well for accounting purposes
1: and this it? is where you really just got to do the maths yourself on the timing of it um you know if you are looking to make investments well then you've obviously got some extra money sitting there and thus can pay for the trust um, so there's no reason why you can't, um, you know, you've you really just got to work out that timing, what
0: works for you and your financial situation. Yeah, because there is a capital gains tax event on transfer, doing an in-specie transfer into a, a trust if you did it, you know, five years after becoming a consultant. That is right. right. So
1: CGT of events are like a CGT sale. You, that's the point in time when you do... don't do the maths on that cgt so you don't really want to be you know transferring things in and out of different tax zones if you don't have to so making that future decision is great Um, but things like you know asic fees and trust setup fees and lawyers fees and the trust that needs an extra tax return it can be expensive Um, so it's really about again trying to make those predictions and seeing which way we're better off Um, and of course talking to a, a financial advisor and accountant to help with that
0: Excellent. So, Connell, thanks for sharing your time and knowledge with us today. How can listeners learn more about you and get in contact with you? Uh,
1: yes, yeah, so my business is What If Advice uh, at whatifadvice.com.au. Uh, I've also got a small YouTube channel which I'm building up, which is just uh, YouTube backslash What If Advice. Um, so, that's probably the best place to find me.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how I found you on there because uh, you, you got a great uh, presenting style, and I really uh, found it very useful having that tax zone description which I had not seen anywhere else and it simplifies things. Great, really. I'm glad I could help. Very good, thanks. Have a great day and we'll catch up with you again for another episode very soon. You too. thanks, mate. If you're interested in learning how to optimize your finances, please subscribe to this podcast. Also, head over to my blog, medicalmoney.com and subscribe to stay updated. If you know a colleague who might also find this information useful, please share this with them. I'd love to get your feedback, so send questions, comments, and recommendations to me at andrew at medicalmoney.com. See you in the next episode.